going to kick off this monster party known as Monster Kid Radio with the song Surf Party from the band Bonsai Hawaii. They're a surf band out of Latina, Italy. You can find this song on their EP over at bonsaihawaii.bandcamp.com. They gave us permission to play this song on the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm able to bring you this episode because I am so excited about what we've got lined up this week. Now, a couple of weeks back, I suffered a catastrophic hard drive failure and some recordings were lost. I thought this one might have been lost, but it wasn't. I happened to have it backed up on another computer. So I'm able to bring to you, ladies and gentlemen, Greg Sterrett. We're going to be talking about the movie The Man Who Laughs. Greg is a Conrad Veidt enthusiast. We're going to talk a little bit about Conrad Veidt, talk about silent films overall, and a little bit about Greg's background as a storyteller. Now, as a monster kid, of course, he grew up making movies on film, Super 8 film, that sort of thing, growing up. Then he transitioned into doing audio. Greg is one of the men behind Veidt Radio Theater, which is an audio drama production group putting out some really cool audio dramas, including one called The Laughing Man, which we're going to play on this episode of Monster Kid Radio as well. Throughout the episode, you're going to hear different commercials that they've done in the style of old-time radio advertisements. So you're going to hear that throughout this episode as well, as well as the traditional trailers and other bits and pieces I like to throw into the mix, like feedback. We've got some voicemails and some emails I want to review here on the show. Why don't we kick it off with an email? This comes from Russell K. Hello, Derek. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and yours by far is the best. All right, I'm going to step out of the email here for a second, Russell. Thanks. All right, back to the email. I look forward to your new episodes every week. The topics, the music, the guests are all fantastic and right up my alley. Once I found you a little over a year ago, I couldn't believe I'd located a show which spoke so much to me. I immediately started backtracking through the episodes I had missed out on. It's so great listening to someone who loves classic monsters like I do. Some of my fondest memories were watching Creature Feature on Saturdays with our local horror host, Dr. Paul Bearer, with my grandmother when I was a kid. She loved her spooky stories and instilled in me that same passion for those movies from a bygone era that I now pass on to my own children. Thank you so much for all your hard work you put into this amazing show. Besides giving you my sincere thanks, I wanted to let you know that next week my wife and I are taking our kids up to Silver Springs for their first time. We live in Sarasota, a few hours south of there. I haven't been since I was younger. Of course, you know that is where one of our shared favorite films was filmed. I can already picture the gill man swimming under the glass bottom boat we'll be in and hearing Tarzan's yell from a nearby tree. You may have already been there. If not, it is a beautiful area. If not, it is a beautiful area. I sent in my Rondo ballot, and I hope you win again. You deserve it. Keep up the fantastic work. Sincerely, Russell. Russell, thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words. It's humbling to know that people are digging what we do here and enjoying Monster Kid Radio. And, you know, you mentioned the guests and the music. Really, without the music, well, first of all, I love my surf music, and I hope you dug what we played this week. But the guests, they're the ones that really make this show pop, really sing. Without the guests, it's just me sitting here in front of a microphone babbling on about monster movies, which I'd certainly do. But, you know, I love talking with so many different types of people, so many different monster kids, their favorite movies, how they express their monster kidness. I just love it. And this show has brought me into contact with so many amazing people like you, Russell. Have a blast, man. I have not been to that area. I've been to Florida a couple of times, but really just to go to Disney world. I've never had an opportunity to go to that area 
and I'm insanely jealous. You know, previous guest Chris McMillan has been a couple of times. He's taken pictures there, and he tells me all about it when he gets back. But I personally have never been. And, and someday I'd like to get there, hopefully before too much of it changes. This is unrecognizable. Have so much fun. I hope you and your wife and your kids have a blast. And, and let us know how it went. Drop us a line when you get back. And have a safe trip. No. Sheer stark terror grips you in underwater 3D in Creature from the Black Lagoon. The most terrifying monster of the ages rises from the sea, raging with pent-up passions. Making every man his mortal enemy, every woman's beauty his prey. Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D, starring Richard Carlson and Julie Adams. Every horrifying scene leaps out of the screen right at you. A universal re-release rated G. I have another email from listener Diana. She's up in New Jersey. She says, Hi Derek, I just voted for the Rondo Hatton Awards. I voted for some of your suggestions, including Vince Rotolo for the Hall of Fame. I still miss hearing his voice on the B-Movie cast. You know, I also voted for your website and for you personally as Monster Kid of the Year. I can't think of another single person that brings me so much information about films I might otherwise never know. All right, I'm going to step out, okay, of the email. And Diana, when I first read this, I didn't quite know what to think or say or feel. And, and I did talk to my wife about it, I think, yesterday after work. Um, thank you so much. And, and this goes to Russell, too, and anybody else who supported me in the Rondo Awards. Thank you for the votes and the confidence in, in what I do here and the podcast. But Monster Kid of the Year? I'm... Thank you for the nomination. I, I don't expect to win that, but wow. Thank you. It touches me. Uh, she continues, I love what you do. I followed you from Mail Order Zombie to 1951 Down Place to Monster Kid Radio. You may think what you do is just a podcast, but to a lot of people, what you do is important. It helps us get through our day and sometimes get us through hard times. So here's to you, Derek. Keep up the good work. I did skip over a bit of uh, Diana's email, and it is it personal, but I do want to say this. Diana, I'm very, very sorry to hear about Jade. I'm a cat person, so I totally understand. So let's dedicate this episode to her, okay? Let's move on to some voicemails. Hey, Derek, it's George McGowan calling. I just wanted to call and personally congratulate you on once again being nominated for the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. If I'm not mistaken, this is your third year in a row being nominated and having taken home the crown two years ago, I believe. It's just really a testament to the heart and soul and work ethic you bring to Monster Kid Radio episode after episode, week after week. And I gotta say, just being nominated three years in a row is really impressive. It's such an incredibly competitive category you're in with best multimedia horror site. You're not just up against other podcasts, of which, many of which I enjoy, but also YouTube channels and, as the title says, other multimedia websites. So congratulations. You've got my vote for sure. And I wanted to really just extend my appreciation for mentioning um, the fact that my website, Collecting Classic Monsters, is a first-time nominee this year in a, fortunately, a different category than you. I'm in the best website or blog category, number 17, and I was completely stunned when I was reviewing the Rondo um, nominations, and there was my website, which... Um, you know, I started a couple of years back as a real passion of just a work of love and, and uh, you know, wanted to share my collection and 
my sort of monster kid lifestyles and habits and all the things I love to do with the world. And I've just been blown away with how well it's been received. So thanks so much for including me in your list. And, uh, yeah, one of these days we will get together to finish that episode um, talking about some of those great monster movies of yesterday. And I look forward to officially being on Monster Kid Radio here in the not-too-distant future. Um, I do want to invite your listeners to stop on over to CollectingClassicMonsters.com and take a look around. You can subscribe to my email newsletter. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. I do a, a, a pretty good job of, of keeping new information up there and sharing things that are happening around the Monster Kid community, particularly around collectibles, um, both vintage and modern, and uh, also in terms of just sharing my experiences about a monster kit. Which brings me to a couple of your recent episodes. I've really loved all the King Kong tent that you've been sharing of late, and I can't wait to hear what's next on Monster Kid Radio. Best of luck, Derek. Talk to you soon, and I'm standing by for the next episode. CollectingClassicMonsters.com is where you're going to find George's website. It is up for a rondo, which is really cool. It's a great website. I spend a lot of time here and then following along on the Facebook page as well. And it will happen, George. We are going to have you on the show. When you and I first started talking about having you on the show, you mentioned a particular set of movies. I don't know if we'd call them a trilogy, but there are three films. They're all kind of linked, and they are all now on Blu-ray, I believe. So we really need to get to this and make this happen, right? Let's make it happen. Listeners, check them out. Collecting Classic Monsters over on Facebook or CollectingClassicMonsters.com. Check it out and let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. American International presents The Land That Time Forgot, an astounding motion picture based on the book by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Travel through an underwater passage and discover an awesome prehistoric world. Fight for your life against the terrifying creatures of a lost continent. It's action, danger, and adventure on an epic scale. The Land That Time Forgot, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. All right, one more voicemail. Hey, Derek, it's Paul McComas, your once and future guest. I enjoyed the show about the Kong documentary, which I certainly intend to see once I get the opportunity. Though, I have to say, I was a little disappointed at the level of discourse at the Q&A. I didn't hear anyone talking about kind of deeper sociological, historical underpinnings, let alone the feminist deconstruction that I like, let alone anything having to do with, like, characters and the main relationship, i.e. between Kong and the blonde, and I say the blonde because it's not always Antero. In my favorite version, it's Dwan. At any rate, I hope to amend that when you have me on shortly to discuss the new Kong, and, uh... Looking forward to that. So this is in reference to last week's episode. I went to a local screening of Kong, Long Live the King, which is a new documentary by Frank Dietz and Trish Geiger. And it's great. It's a phenomenal movie. I recommend people check it out if they have an opportunity to do so. I'm hoping later this year it'll actually be available on DVD and or Blu-ray or streaming or something. I mean, it's a great, great film. And it doesn't really get too in-depth with the sociological underpinnings, the role of the sexes, uh, the character motive. I mean, just doesn't get too deep into that. And I think that's by design. Kong, Long Live the King, is more of a, a fan's approach. 
and, and the impact the movie had on fans and its place in pop culture. So it doesn't get too deep into that level. And, and that's fine. Now, I, I enjoy movies on, on both levels. I am really looking forward to the new King Kong movie. I know it's going to be a spectacle, but I'm hoping we're going to see some of the things that you and I can talk about, Paul. And, you know, he, he called back with a part two. I knew I forgot to say something. Uh, quick part two from Paul. And here's the segue. Speaking of part two, homework for those who uh, accept it would be to listen to parts one and two of your and my conversation, Derek, from late last year. Episodes 295 and 296 on November 24th and December 1st of 2016 to check those out or recheck those out before your and my imminent, immediately post-Kong Skull Island discussion thereof. And by the way, props to whoever it was on your show who talked about the mystic elements in uh, the Kong uh, original. That I really appreciate it. Thanks, bye. So there you go. Paul's got some homework for you. I'm going to have him back here in the very near future to talk about Kong Skull Island. So if you want to get ready for that and maybe revisit or visit for the first time what Paul had to say about King Kong with an emphasis on the 1976 King Kong, head over to monsterkidradio.net. Check the archives. End of November, beginning of December, two episodes covered that incredible conversation. I want to thank everybody for sending in their feedback. If you have email for the show, you can email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Or if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, you can call our voicemail line at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. I'll go over that again at the end of the show after we hear from Greg Sterrett. Talk a little bit about Conrad Veidt. Here's some Veidt Radio Theater. That all happens right after this. The cold, glossy pages of True Magazine call the killer shrew the world's most savage mammal. You'll never venture into a forest alone after you see The Killer Shrews with James Best and Ingrid Good, motion picture horror masterpiece. The Killer Shrews. Brace yourselves for the month of March. Count Rahun's feature of Fright presents the Mimiverse Month and a half. Yes, I, I, I know. But don't judge me. I'm not in charge of marketing. For the month of March, I, Count Rahun, shall sit down with world-renowned filmmaker Christopher R. Mim the writer-director of such cult classics as The Giant Spider, Danny Johnson Saves the World, and Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter for a two-part interview for my Interviewed by a Vampire segment. In addition to this two-part interview, our first episode of April will star Christopher R. Mim as Dr. Rick Adelaide in an audio play entitled Journey to the Center of Ollie's Bladder. Log on to camcordertv.com come mid-March, go to our podcast tab, and click on Count Rahun's Feature of Fright to listen to part one of my interview with Christopher R. Mim, or listen to it on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. I am Count Rahun, and I shall be expecting you. And remember that as far as things go when things go bump in the night... There are such things. Hello, friends. Feeling listless? 
Having skin problems or just not feeling healthful? Then try Schwartz's Witch Hazel today. Nothing works like Schwartz's. Whether it's used as a refreshing aftershave, a cleansing gargle, or for piles, Schwartz's Witch Hazel is good for so many hygiene concerns and various ailments. Made from the finest ingredients, all of Schwartz's products are guaranteed to improve your life. That's right, they're guaranteed. And don't forget other fine Schwartz's products like Schwartz's Liniment and Oil of Camphor. Schwartz's, the guaranteed way to better health and well-being. I am Dracula, and I bid you welcome to the podcast devoted to the classic, and sometimes not so classic, genre cinema of yesteryear. And I offer you this warning. Sometimes Derek and his guests get excited, and they may spoil a movie or two. You know how excited Monster Kids can get sometimes. If Monster Kid Radio spoils a movie for you, do not come whining to me. I cannot stand whines. guest on Monster Kid Radio is somebody that I've had on the show in the past, but it's been too long, and partly because I keep screwing up the dates that we're going to have him on. It's totally on me. Greg Starrett, welcome back to Monster Kid Radio. Hi, Derek. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's been a while, and you know we're still in early 2017. How's the new year treating you? Uh, very good so far. Uh, we've had a pretty mild winter here. I live in the Chicago area. I live in Munster, Indiana, and uh, we've had a pretty mild winter, so that's a good thing. Of course you live in Munster. Right. I, I, I was so happy when we moved here in 1969. My parents said we're moving to Munster, Indiana. I was like, oh, really? I mean, I was just thrilled by that being a monster kid. And you never left. No, I, I stayed here. I'm actually in the same house we moved into. Oh, wow. Yeah, I ended up buying it for my folks, so me and my wife live here, and uh, I, I love it. I wish my address was 1313 Mockingbird Lane, but I couldn't arrange everything. Is there somebody at the city you can call for that? I mean, <laughs> I've tried. They won't rename the street. That's terrible. Uh, would it throw the postman off if you just put that on your mailbox, you know? Right. It probably would, yeah. Probably a federal offense of some kind, I imagine. Well, I first became aware of Greg and what he does through uh, a mutual friend, Paul McComas, who's been on the show quite a bit as well. And you and Paul have been friends for a long time. You've been collaborators. But the writing isn't the only thing that you do to express your monster kidness. You are the man behind Vite Radio Theater. Right. I'm, I'm one of the people behind Vite Radio Theater, yes. And a brief history on that is that I was a Super 8 filmmaker as a monster kid, and my production company was Vite Productions, because I was such a Conrad Vite fan, even as a child. Later on, when film kind of, you really couldn't get it anymore at the store, you had to search it out. Video editing equipment was very expensive at that time, like we're talking the late 80s, early 90s. We decided to start doing old-time radio shows, which we could record on a, we had a four-track cassette recorder at the time, and not have to do all of this 
costumes and sets and and we were so limited in filmmaking by what we could afford to try to recreate and the sky was the limit with the radio theater so that's we just called it bite radio theater and uh, we've been doing that for quite a while now that's one of the things that i love about podcasting and audio production is that you can tell these amazing stories and talk to amazing people and there's no budget it, it really is whatever you can create sound effect wise exactly and it's it's theater of the mind so you're you're setting the tone with music and and your dialogue and we write all our own shows and record them ourselves we have a wonderful uh, bunch of people uh, working with us the the basic group of Vite radio is myself uh, my wife Lori Starrett, uh, my good friend and longtime monster kid collaborator Scott Merkel, his wife Nancy Merkel, and our longtime childhood friend Jim Lyle. And we have people like Paul McComas uh, that act in some of our productions. So it's been a lot of fun, and we have a lot of talented people. I would say you do. I listened to uh, one of your shows a couple of times in preparation of this, partly because I kept listening to it right before and then I'd screw up the schedule. But uh, I've listened to it a few times, uh, The Laughing Man, which is fantastic. But before I get into that, I, I want to ask, and maybe we've talked about this before, but just to kind of refresh my memory or listeners' memories, what is it about Conrad Veidt that has got you? Yeah, that's a good question. And it got me early. I was fortunate because I grew up in the Chicagoland area, so we had access to the Chicago stations. And we have an excellent PBS station here. It's Channel 11. And they used to show silent films all the time in my childhood days. And so I got to see a lot of these great silent films. And, and the first one I saw that really got my attention was The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I, we did a whole show on that. Mm-hmm. And I just was, I, something fascinated me about Conrad Veidt, just the way he looked, the way he portrayed that character. And then I really credit Uncle Forey for including images of the man who laughs in so many famous monster uh, issues. It was just, before I ever saw the film or anything, I was just fascinated by that character and that look and the man who played him. So it's been a long time. I've got pictures of myself with paper teeth in my mouth doing man who laughs makeups when I was like nine years old. So I really, I've been uh, kind of struck by this bug early and it's been uh, just been part of my life. That's awesome. Wow. You said you still have the photos? I do have the photos, right? I was just recently had them out showing them to my wife. She couldn't believe it. <laughs> One was just me smiling because I couldn't think of any way to do teeth. And then another was with some paper teeth I made. And then finally I made a pair of wax teeth, somewhat like what Vite wore in the film, for my film, my early Vite production film, The Man Who Laughs Meets Dracula. How'd that turn out? Who won? Uh, uh, actually, The Man Who Laughs won because he really wasn't a villain. So he sort of teams up because he's down on his luck with Dracula and this other character, and uh, but he ends up uh, actually pushing Dracula into a bush and its uh, branch goes through his heart. So uh, <laughs> the man laugh wins, I guess. There you go. That is such a striking look, that appearance. And I think most people know at this point it was the inspiration for the Joker. Right. But it's so much more than that. I mean, it is such a tragic look. When you watch The Man Who Laughs, even if you go into it thinking, well, it's the Joker, it's such a different type of character, uh, the way it looks, and specifically how Conrad Veidt plays him from the mouth up. His eyes, his expressions are just amazing in that. Exactly. And that's all he had to work with, in case people don't know. Jack Pierce, this was his first kind of horror makeup. I, I'm and we'll talk about the horror aspect of this. But so what he did with to make the grin was he made these, you know, oversized dentures that fit in Vite's mouth. 
And at the tops of them in the corners, they had little hooks that held his mouth into that grin. So he didn't have to try to, you know, stretch his face. It was stretched for him. And that left him pretty much unable to make any expressions below the eyes or speak very well. So he did have to do all of his acting with his either his body movements or his eyes. And even in other films, he has such expressive eyes. So this was a perfect uh, a role for a man that's going to have to basically rely on his eyes to carry the, the picture. It's interesting because when you think about silent films, sometimes you get this stereotypical over-the-top pantomime type acting you know, style comes to mind. In this, because of the makeup, he's not able to do this over-the-top expression, and it's interesting to see the subtle acting in a medium that a lot of people know for this over-the-top kind of popping-in-your-face kind of acting. It's, it's fantastic, and it's moving, and I was really impressed. I, I told Greg before we started recording, I actually hadn't seen this movie in full for, you know, ever. Really, I never really watched it, so I, I knew the clips, I knew the scenes. I watched the movie for the first time last night from start to finish. And I was super impressed with his performance specifically. I mean, he just screamed from the screen at me. It was just fantastic. Yeah, it, it is an outstanding performance. I mean, it, it's a wonderful film. And anybody that's listening that has not seen this, you need to see this movie. I mean, it's really part of our history. And it's available. You can rent it on Amazon. Actually, if you buy it, I mean, rent it on uh, Netflix. If you buy it on Amazon, it's like 80-some bucks. And I think you can even watch it on YouTube. So, um, But it's worth seeing. It, it absolutely is. And it's not an over-the-top silent uh, film. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an excellent movie. It really is. And the version that I watched was the DVD that I think Kino put out a little yeah, bit ago. Yeah, so that's the restored version. That has a brief nude scene in it, actually. <laughs> it does. There's one little clip where a guy's looking through a keyhole right. into a room with a woman taking a bath, I guess, or getting out of the bath. Uh, and from what I understand, that's the Italian version of the film print, that's what which I've did heard, have yeah. that. Yeah, the American version, it was kind of obscured. Right. You said it's part of the history. We talked about Jack Pierce. This wasn't his first Universal picture. It's pretty early in his career, but it is his first I guess, character makeup like that. Right, and, and that's something I wanted to touch on a little bit. And I, yeah. I think I did briefly in my other interview, but, you know, there's three films that come out in this era that we've always been told are horror movies. I mean, they're in Famous Monsters. The Aurora Monster Models uh, did two of them. And it's The Hunchback, The Family the Opera, and The Man Who Laughs. And in that order, that's when the, how they came out. You know, both based on uh, on books. and But really, if you think about it, these characters, Quasimodo in The Hunchback and Ordain, Eric in The Phantom of the Opera, and Gwynplaine in The Man Who Laughs, they're really, they're not monsters. They're deformed or disfigured people. They don't have any supernatural powers. Um, they're not immortal. Uh, I mean, I think of them as horror movies just because that's, kind of how we were, you know, brought up uh, with, <laughs> I, I feel like Uncle Forey helped raise me. And, uh, you know, you just see them in all the books and the, and the magazines and everything. But if you think about it, really, they're, they're kind of not horror films in a way. You know what I'm saying? I agree with you. There is a tendency to lump, especially the Phantom, in with the classic monster lineup of Universal. But these characters, it wasn't really until Dracula where things got, you know, the supernatural baddie, you know, that sort of thing. These guys... You know, things happen to them, and yeah, maybe they didn't cope with it the best way in the case of, like, you know, the Phantom. Right. But, you know, it's not like they started out as these monstrous characters, and it's it's interesting to kind of look at that and, and see the parallels between 
each film, specifically Hunchback and this one, The Man Who Laughs. There's so many parallels there. Well, and written by the same uh, author, Victor Hugo, wrote both books, so that helps, I think, link them. I expected this to be a horror movie going into it. I mean, a flat-out horror movie. I expected this laughing guy to be going, you know, the, the crown prince of evil is what he inspired, so I kind of expected him to be, you know, a killer, a right. murderer, somebody who doesn't say He doesn't. He's not. No, he's a tragic, innocent character. He's a loving guy. Right. That makes the movie great to me. I mean, it, I don't know how you would have made him an evil character, but I know when I was a kid, I had that in my mind, too, before I saw any of this, and uh, I was perhaps a little disappointed as a child, but it makes it a great film. It's a, Talk about a sympathetic you know, lead character. You, you, I don't think you can get it. Then, the, you know, the perfect sad clown, which is a kind of a theme, you know, with a lot of things. I had a moment of disappointment, but that lasted about 30 seconds because I was so caught up in the story otherwise and the, the tragicness of, of his story i mean from a child on he had kind of a rough time of it now he found a, a you know a family unit to grow up with but then as is the case of these tragic stories things don't always work out that it's just so fantastic i'm babbling here because i was so overwhelmed by the film it's so good yeah it really is a great film uh you know paul any great director carl lemley was you know the producer and involved with it and you know, you have all kinds of people that worked on the film, like Charles D. Hall, for example, did the sets, the set designer, who later did sets for Dracula, Frankenstein, The Old Dark House. So, you, really, this movie in some way sets the tone for some of the universal films to come, I think, with just the look of it and everything. I was thinking that, too, that, you know, as much as I love Phantom, as much as I love Hunchback, and Hunchback's got some pretty amazing sets. Well, so does Phantom. I think the production design in this, I can see a through line from this to Dracula to Frankenstein and so on, more so than with the other films. Yeah, Charles D. Hall is, is part of the reason for that. And mm -hmm. another thing with the silent issue here, too, that we were kind of touched on, this was like the last big silent film that they put out, and it was right on the borderline of talkies and silence. And the reason they definitely went silent with it is because Byte was really unable to speak well with the giant dentures in his mouth. And so... This film was originally offered to, if it was a wired, they called it a wired theater that was set up for sound talkies. Uh, they had this synchronized track, which you heard if you watched the uh, version you did, where it has some sound effects and continuous music, and you even hear a couple of words here and there. But it's not really a talkie, so to speak. And then they offered it as a, just a silent version without any of that, and they would have an organist play or whatever the, the theater did. I was going to ask you about that, if you knew if the, the soundtrack that's on the Kino disc, if that was the original. That is the original. Right. Okay. That was a synchronized track, and that was there was a I believe one or two other films that used that that gimmick kind of a thing as they evolved into the talkies. It certainly didn't need it. I mean, I would have been caught up in the film without it. Uh, in fact, part of the time that I was watching, it, I actually turned the volume down just to kind of see, and yeah, I was still caught up with it. The music's a nice touch, and the sound effects are a nice touch, but and like a lot of the old films, uh, the silent films, you know, they got the, they have one song that they kind of really play a lot and it's called when love comes stealing and i find myself whistling that every time i watch the film or think about it i was whistling it this morning when i was uh, <laughs> walking the dog so <laughs> it's a catchy tune Probably sold a lot of music. It probably did, because it is a catchy tune, like you said, and, and I was really surprised to learn this silent film 
It has a theme song. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Well, you know, another one that's a good example, and it's Monster Kid related, is uh, Laugh, Clown, Laugh, Ron Chaney, the film, and the song of the same name, which probably a lot of people have heard of, Laugh, Clown, Laugh. Yep. So I actually have a, a sheet music for that with Chaney and, and the clown makeup on it, so it's kind of cool. Oh, wow. You know, speaking of Chaney... Was he supposed to be in this film? I know it's, it's talked about. I don't know if it's been official. Yeah, it's been talked about. I've read a lot of things about it. Uh, actually, one person actually wrote, he walked off the set of The Man Who Left. Well, that would have been impossible because he was under contract to MGM, and this is a universal picture. But I think when they were first talking about doing the movie years before they did it, I, I'm sure his name was in the mix because why wouldn't it be? I mean, he played all these grotesque characters. He would seem like a natural person to play it. I don't think he would have done as good a job as Vite myself, but that's that's just my opinion. I it's my opinion too. Having watched this movie and trying to think of, of all the other Lon Chaney, well, you know, the senior uh, performances that I've seen, I, I'm having a hard time mixing just even his body type right. with what. Conrad Veidt's doing here. He's just so different and subtle, and I feel like Cheney may have played it a little bit more over the top. Yeah, I would agree. And Cheney could certainly play a great sympathetic character. Sure. Uh, and most of his characters sort of had that going on. But I don't know. Yeah, Veidt had that angular face, and, and he, was, he was skinny and, and tall, and there's something about him that made him perfect for that role, I think. And it's also with Cesar and... Uh, Dr. Calgary, too. I mean, he's just, he looks so good in that role because of the way he physically is. I mean, you know, it's not just makeup, it's the way you actually look. I don't know, he just brings so much to the role. It's it's impressive and haunting, and, and you're engaged. It's just fantastic. Now, he's surrounded by some pretty good actors, too, in this. Absolutely. First of all, I got Mary Philbin uh, as Dea, the, the romantic lead. You know, briefly to kind of tell the story a little bit, you know, Gwynplaine, he's the son of a lord that has displeased the king, his father, who Fight also plays in the movie, a lord clan Charlie. He gets put in the Iron Maiden, and his son is disfigured by the Comprechicos. They're some sort of group that disfigures and, and buys children, and I guess uses them as freaks. So... Gwenplane is abandoned by the Comprechicos. I'm sorry, my pronunciation is terrible on some of these things, but it's a silent movie. They don't say it. You read it on the screen. So I was going to ask you how you say it, because, yeah, I struggled with it, too. Yeah. So he's abandoned by them. So he's walking around this frozen wasteland of England, and, and he's just a kid, the disfigured kid. And he comes across a lady holding a baby in, this, in a snowdrift, and it's little baby Dea. And her mother is actually dead holding her. And so he rescues her from that, continues on through the snow, and, and then comes upon the little traveling wagon of Ursus, the philosopher. You know, that's how he meets her. And as they grow up, you know, she loves him, he loves her, and uh, at the end they, they get together. So that's, that's, that's And she's blind, by the way. That's the other thing that's important to note. So she can't see his face. And whenever she touches his face, he tries to keep her hand away from his mouth, as you noticed. So, but you would think she might have some inkling that, uh, you know, being that he was the laughing man in the show there, and uh, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> how he looked. But no, she's great in this. She was originally, in the, obviously, in the Family Opera, Unmasked Cheney. So, you know, that's kind of how most people would know her. But she was in a lot of films, obviously, in that time. There's one scene, and I know. 
because it's a silent film, we have to rely on the title card that comes up near the end. Well, not maybe near the end of the movie or so, maybe before he gets taken away. Uh, she's touching his face and she says that, you know, God made her blind so she can see the real Gwen. Just such a, yeah, that is, such that's a, a touching good, moment. That is a touching moment. You're right. I remember in Famous Monsters, there was a, uh, a photo, a still, that there was a scene cut from this movie oh. of, of young Gwynplaine looking for help when he's wandering the winter wasteland and finding a little hut with some children that had been similarly disfigured so that they all oh, had wow. the grins carved in their face. And they thought that was too disturbing. But there was a, a, a I'm pretty sure it was a famous Monsters I saw uh, still of that one time when I was a kid. So I was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. There's some, <laughs> there's some kind of grotesque images in this movie that are, are kind of disturbing images, I would say. You know, when he's sure. a, a kid, too, wandering around through the the gallows area where there's all those bodies hanging. I mean, it's like, wow, some little kid, that this figured kid looking up at bodies hanging in the gallows. I mean, <laughs> and he grew up okay. So that, uh, Yeah, yeah. See, that's your horror element right there. It's the very right. beginning when he's wandering around. And even the kid, I thought the kid looked creepy. Oh, big time creepy. Yeah, even creepier than Conrad Veidt did with the makeup. I mean, he just... Yeah, I don't know much about the kid actor, but I'm assuming Jack Pierce did the makeup on him as well. I would assume so. Wow. Uh, yeah, his name was Julius Molnar, and I know nothing about him either, but he did a great job. Oh, yeah. And the scene where he, they go to Ursus, and he sees that, that they is blind, and then he's telling Gwynplaine, hey, quit laughing, and, you know, quit laughing. And he goes, I'm not laughing. And that's when he mm-hmm. realizes what's happened to, to Gwynplaine. So it's a, it's a great scene. It really is a good scene. And Ursus is a great character. I wanted to know more about him, too. Uh, Cesar Gravina. Did I, I don't know if I said that right or not. That's the name of the actor. Probably as good as I could say it. So, uh, yeah. Well, he was uh, a character actor. I know for a fact that he was in uh, The Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. I don't know a whole lot more about him, to be honest with you. I don't either. You know, this is an era of film that every time I watch a good one, I'm like, well, that's a great one. But then I don't know as much as I should about this era of film. And and I feel like there's a lot out there for me to learn. Um, You know, I knew Mary Philbin from Phantom, and then I think she did some work with D.W. Griffith. You know, that's about as deep as my silent film knowledge goes, unfortunately. i got to be honest, uh, because I I have a monster kid that never grew up. (laughs) Most of my knowledge is of those kind of movies, you know what I'm saying? It's like... The old time, you know, again, we're, I'm putting this in the category of horror, but quote unquote, these horror films. So mm-hmm. that's why I know Philbin from Phantom, and I don't know her if she was in, you know, Field of Daisies or some, you know, non horror <laughs> thing. I wouldn't know that movie. Nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with being a monster kid that never grew up. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, uh, <laughs> can't help it. It's just who we are. It's in our DNA. Right. Now there is an actor in here that I really enjoyed watching, uh, Brandon Hurst. Yeah, Barton Pedro. The wow, he um, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's he's creepy, Amy. Yeah, if there's a villain in the movie, that's him. I mean, oh, this yeah. is. And wow. at the at the end, uh, you know, he's the jester for the king that uh, sentences uh, Gwynplaine to be disfigured and and his dad to be put in a Iron Maiden. And at the beginning of the film, and then later on, he's he's with the queen and her part of her court. And at the end of the film. Now, this is a spoiler alert here, everybody. So if you haven't seen this movie that came out in 1928 yet, <laughs> hold your ears. But uh, at the end, Hamo the wolf attacks and kills him at the docks. And when you, you know you, when a guy's done a good job of playing a villain because you're going, yeah, <laughs> when he gets yeah. killed. And that's, that's the 
that's a good villain when you're happy when he dies. So then, and so I was definitely happy uh, when Brandon Hurst was uh, his character was killed in this movie. Yeah, when he gets what he deserves, he got what he deserved. <laughs> actually, absolutely, he deserved everything that came to him. And he had done some work uh, in Hunchback. I'm looking at his credits here, and, and I guess he was in White Zombie, which is great. Oh, one of the fantastic oh, I, was not aware of that. I, I don't know where. I, I'm darn, I'll have to go back and rewatch White Zombie. Yeah, exactly. Bummer. We're both going to be watching White Zombie later. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's the weekend. I got plenty of time to sit around and watch movies. Right, but it looks like he's done quite a bit of work. He did transition into the sound era, but as a silent actor. What he does at the beginning of the film when he's as the jester, there's a, a traveling shot where the camera's moving down the hallway following him and um, Gwynplaine's father. And just the way he's kind of slinking down the hallway. I mean, wow. And then, yeah. whoa. In, in the way, pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. And then just, just based on that alone, trying to... Fi- I mean, I imagine what horrific things he did to work himself into the Queen's court later in the film. I mean, how did he get there? And just... Mm. So good. <laughs> this movie yeah. is fantastic. I know it's it really here, but it's one of my favorite films I've seen so far this year. Well, I'm glad that I, I it was sort of a catalyst for you to watch this movie then, finally. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, the performances, I, I don't know much about the director. I don't know much about these guys, but I am now going to search out one of these. Now, Paul Lenny, uh, is it Lenny? Lenny? Lenny, yeah. Lenny. He was uh, a German, wasn't he? And he came over. Yes, he was, right. And he worked with Veidt on a couple other films uh, in Germany, and Waxworks being one of them that is probably one that, if anyone is of the other of the three films, that would be the one you probably were familiar with. Uh, I don't even know the names of the other two, to be honest with you. He directed one film after The Man Who Laughs, and then he died. So, yeah, he kind of, his career was cut short. But, yeah, he did a great job on this film and had worked with Veidt, and so that was a good uh, pairing. Sure. Do you know much about Waxworks? Because it sounds like something I need to see. In that movie, Vite plays Ivan the Terrible, and I'm trying to think of the word. It's got like three stories in it. The, the oh, film okay. It's, it takes place at a wax museum, and they have these three wax figures, and then they tell their story, and then you kind of flash back. And so the the middle one is the one on Ivan, and that's Vite. And he's gives these people poison and then he has an hourglass this is how long you have to live and he tortures them in that way and in the end he gets poisoned and he thinks and so he just goes mad and you just see him looking at it flipping an hourglass over and over and over and it's a really great performance wow yeah it's pretty disturbing <laughs> a lot of those films are add that to my to watch list <laughs> that's a good yeah that's a good one and i i i I know it's out there. I have it on DVD, so I don't know if Netflix has it or not, but uh, probably, I would think. Yeah, if it's out there somewhere, I'll find a way to get it. And that is that is the shame about a lot of these silent films. It's just, you, you can't find them. You might see stills, you might learn about them, read about them in the famous monsters or other books or magazines. But, I mean, it's a silent film. And right. A lot of times they didn't last, or if they did last, who's putting them out these days? You know, that is the thing. And a lot of his stuff that was done in Germany is, is lost. So, you know, that's... Um he has a, a, quite a body of work, Conrad Wright does, and most of those films you're never going to see. Which is unfortunate. It really is too it bad. It is unfortunate. But, you know, it's how the film industry was back then, and there was all kind of disposable and not necessarily put on the, the most resilient of film stock. You know, nitrate was flammable. You know, even like early TV shows, I don't think they thought of the fact that people would want to see this stuff 
Again, years and years in the yeah, future. Really is too bad. So that's why it's always a big deal when somebody finds like a, a print of Metropolis in South America that's five minutes longer than what everybody else has right, seen, you right. know, which I'll admit excites me too. <laughs> when I read a story or see a documentary about that, I just, yeah, you know, just hope that maybe someday London After Midnight will turn up that way or something. So. Oh, I know exactly. That's a, that's a big one on my list that's, too. That's the one. I <laughs> think that's the one. But, you know, going back to this film, it really is... Uh, this is so well done. The camera movements alone really shocked me to see how fluid the camera is. There's a shot in the, the circus area where they're on the, uh, is it a Ferris wheel? I mean, there's a camera's moving up and just, it's fantastic. The work they did with the camera. Yeah. I believe it is a type of Ferris wheel and it is fantastic. It, it's, it's a groundbreaking movie. I think in a lot of ways with the, uh, some of the, the way they're filming it. And, and, but some of that also is sort of uh, taken, I think from some of the expressionists, Films like from Germany that Bite was in, you know what I mean? It, it seemed like they started brought a little bit of that into the Hollywood Universal, you know, whole thing. So sure, no, I, I totally see that, and I mean, obviously with Vite and and any and these other. German filmmakers coming over here to make these movies, of course, they're going to bring some of that with them. And, and I mean, thank you, because it, it right. made these films so much better. I think when you look at early, like, 30s cinema, uh, whether it's genre or not, the camera can't move around too much because of the sound technology being new and, you know, they can't hide the microphone here or there or whatever. If you watch some of these silent films, especially right before the advent of sound, you're going to see some pretty impressive camera work because right, they weren't. Right, because they, they can, it doesn't matter how much noise they make moving that camera around, it, they can do that, right? And, and they couldn't do dolly shots and stuff in early sound days because it was the noise of the camera on the dolly was too loud. Yeah, and so to see this, you've got what I would call basically modern cinematography techniques being used, and it's it's pretty impressive. The The cameraman, Gilbert Warrington, I don't know anything about either, but I'm going to go through his filmography and see if there's anything out there that I might be able to get my hands on, because it's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Oh, did he do Panic in Year Zero in 1962? Wow. I love that movie. Anyway. I did not know that. Yeah, it's just a quick look at the his credit list. It, <laughs> and the computer never lies, so of course that's what he did. Yeah, anyway. Right. Yeah, <laughs> the Internet Movie Database never misleads anybody. Um, <laughs> that's a whole different yeah. conversation, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but the art direction and the cinematography in this is pretty impressive. And watch it with or without the sound because it's it's moving. It's good. And uh, I can see why you loved Conrad Veidt. That was a huge part of getting me into Conrad Veidt and, and the cabinet. He, he's just he's a great actor. I mean, and and... You see him later. I mean, a lot of people have seen Casablanca and you know other films that mm-hmm. he's in where it's more of a straight role. This is, I think, him in his acting zenith, in my opinion. I would agree. I love Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I really yeah. do. Oh, absolutely. But I think this one where he, I mean, he has a, an arc, a character arc that he goes through and just the journey and the different expressions and the different experiences that he has along the way. Because this is pretty much an epic movie. It's 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 long. It's almost two hours long. There's right, a lot is. for him to do. and. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. The limited stuff that I've seen with him in, this is it. I think this is the peak for me. And it was a pretty big budget picture at the time. It was you know about a million dollar budget, which was you know 
million dollars was worth a lot of money back then. <laughs> that's <laughs> worth a lot of money to me now, but um, yeah. yeah. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, that's another thing that I love about early Hollywood is you can actually see that on the screen with these amazing sets that they would build and all these extras that they would pack into the background. There'd be this, this lushness, this realness. I love to look at that. And you can see so much of that here. The entire, uh, that Carnival Circus set, it's huge. Yes. And it's vast, and it looks great. They're moving the camera around so you can see every nook and cranny of it. I love it. Right, and there's so many extras in it, too. It's really it's a well-populated film. Uh, again, I just can't urge people enough to really, if you've only heard a little bit about it or uh, you know, just seen the pictures like we all did, it's worth watching. It's worth watching. Check it out. It's on DVD, or at least it was at one point. I'm sure you can find track it down. And because it's a silent film, it's, it's in the public domain, so you can find it right. online in different... Uh, YouTube, I'm sure archive.org has it. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you can find it some other way. The Kino version, the restoration, may not be in the public domain because of any work Kino might have done to it, but the original definitely is out there. So get your hands on it, check it out. The Kino version, I know for a fact, is available from Netflix to rent the DVD. I don't know if they have it streaming or not. So, you know, I can definitely tell you that. Yeah, that's how I got it. That's how I ended up seeing it. Oh, is, okay. is, is I have the Netflix version of it. So it's out there. Yeah. It's out there, listeners. You have no excuse. <laughs> That's right. We're going to have a quiz. <laughs> well, if, if you can't get your hands on it right away, maybe listen to something that's a little Vite-inspired. See, there's a segue, maybe, sort of. Oh, very good. I, I don't know. <laughs> I suppose if I have to point it out, it's not really that good of a segue. <laughs> we talked about Vite Radio Theater I, again, I got to tell you, I'm really impressed with what you did here. I love the audio production aspect of podcasting. I love editing, and I love trying to put in sound effects when appropriate and that sort of thing. You've taken it to a level that, I mean, I could hear on the radio. I could see or I guess hear or imagine hearing this on NPR or any other radio station, this Vite Radio Theater. Wow. Well, thanks. So what we're talking about here is there's one of the shows we did recently. We have a, a show within a show, basically. It's called Lurking in the Shadows, and that's where we play our scary stuff. It would be like, you know, the Inner Sanctum or what mm -hmm. other radio shows where they would have different... That was the title, and then they'd be a different show every week. In our Lurking in the Shadows, our latest one is called The Laughing Man, which is what they refer to Gwynplaine as in the film, because he's a famous clown. Also... Some translations of the title of the book was called The Laughing Man, so I always had that in my head. This show has nothing to do no. with the Victor Hugo <laughs> or the film or anything like that, but it's a great title, and it's, our lead character is indeed a laughing man. I think it's pretty scary. Uh, you know, I, I think it really comes out as a, as a scary uh, show, which it's supposed to be. We have a great cast. Um, Paul McComas, uh, who listeners know, uh, plays the lead in this, Dr. Harrison. I'm in it. Uh, my wife, Lori, starts in it. Scott Merkel, Nancy Merkel, Jim Lyle, Larry Kyleman, Mike Castellaneta. I'm hoping I'm not missing anybody. And we get set in an old English village, and there's a, a specter, the laughing man they talk about. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but uh, we had a lot of fun doing this, and it's uh, a lot of the credit besides the acting and the writing, uh, goes to Scott Merkel, who does all the post-production stuff on this, and he did a, an excellent job with this. He sounds like somebody I need to chat with, because I really, like I said, I love this audio editing in the post-production. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a whiz. And, you know, i got to tell you, Bite Radio Theater started out with a four-track cassette, mm -hmm. um, because it was the 90s. And we just recently, recently being, you know, maybe four years ago, 
as we started writing some new shows after a long break, uh, realized, well, we can't do that anymore. So he just got into the, you know, recording on the computer with various software, and we had to get, you know, some different mixers and some mics and things. But he was brand new to this going into this last bit bunch of shows, so he's really uh, mastered the craft, I think. But, it, you know, it was uh, definitely a learning experience for him. And, boy, he came out on top because uh, I think the show is... The audio quality is excellent. Oh, it's fantastic. Listeners, I'm going to make sure there's a link to the YouTube page in the show notes, or you can just look up Vite Radio Theater. Highly recommend this. You, you mentioned it's a horror story, and I don't want to spoil it either. I mean, it's, it's a short you know, bit. It's pretty... <laughs> it's terrifying. And the way the sound was edited, especially some of the sound effects, and I'm not... Again, I don't want to spoil it. It's going to be hard to talk about it without spoiling it. I know, exactly. There's some great sound work in here that's good and creepy, and if you have the ability to listen to it through a pair of headphones, listeners, it, it'll it'll really get to you. Um, you. You mentioned that it's nothing like the film, and it's not. I mean, you've got The Laughing Man, and that's about it. It is a horror story, and I got a real strong Hammer vibe off of it. Uh, you know, you're right, because of the English... Um village kind of setting uh i i think there was sort of that going on there a little bit you know, the setting and then some of the uh... we had fun playing those characters i was one of the guys i play angus you know it was fun to do those those voices and and be in that you know i mean in our minds we were in that shop so it was kind of cool <laughs> i think back to any of the uh like the dracula films where the van helsing character or the monk or one of the characters is in the inn or the tavern and then somebody says something about the vampire or dracula or the castle up on the on the hill and all the different characters in the background start murmuring oh no that's the vibe that i got from all the characters murmuring you know and talking here about what's going on in the village that scene uh, it, there, where renfield goes into the village yeah. uh at the beginning of Dracula, that definitely was uh, uh, an inspiration. No, you mustn't go there. Yes. <laughs> I know I'm getting close to spoilers, but the uh, of course, there's the disbeliever. And then uh, just it's a great little story. You said you've been doing this for years, and now they're on YouTube. Was this something that you guys just kind of got together and did for fun? Yeah, because like I said earlier, we were, we were making films. Uh-huh. And then it just got too expensive, and, and again, film was going, you know, the way of the dinosaur, and video was, at that point, was to get videotape editing equipment yeah. was very expensive. So this just, we were trying to look for a way to continue to tell stories, and we loved old-time radio already. When I grew up in, like I say, where I grew up, we have Chicago radio, TV, and WBBM Mystery Theater was on every night at 10 o'clock, and it was some of them were old shows, some of them were newly produced shows, and I grew up listening to that stuff and getting the bejesus scared out of me sometimes. <laughs> As a kid, not supposed to be up that late either. So, you, you know, when you go to run to mom and dad's room, they know something's up. But, uh, and we all did. So we loved that, we loved that uh, genre already. We were familiar with it, and it was a, a great way to, to tell our stories, and cheaply, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and with no restrictions, no restrictions of, oh, we can't do an outer space thing because how are we going to do outer space on a super 8-millimeter film? You know what I'm saying? So, or the costumes or the makeup or whatever. So it, all that lifted. It, it was awesome. And we just started gathering sound effects and music up, and I think we've done a good job with it. Before you put them on YouTube, what was the outlet? Were, you, were there local radio show or stations that were playing, or how did you distribute, or did you distribute? Well, we did. We distributed it as much as we could, just by like a, if I was a local band, you know, trying to uh, hand out tapes and things like that. <laughs> okay. um, 
Right. And originally they were on cassette originally, um, and then CDs. And now we're not worried about putting them on. You know, they're on YouTube, so that's how we get them out there. We never really had a great outlet for them. This is going to be, well, obviously having them on YouTube is a good outlet, but if you can, you can see there's not that tons of views on each one or anything like that. But your show will actually be the probably the biggest audience one of these shows have ever had. So I thank you for that. I'm excited. We're going to play The Laughing Man here in this episode uh, here in a little bit. We're going to run through that. And uh, it's about 20 minutes long and worth every second. It is just packed with solid post-production, solid acting, solid writing. Are there plans to do a lot, I hope, a whole lot more Vite Radio Theater? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. We're going to be moving forward. We, what we did is we wrote six shows in a little over a year's time, and then we recorded them. And then the post-production work, because of learning the new software and everything, took a little longer than we had wanted, but it was worth it because we got you know super great quality out of it. And now we're ready to to move forward. And I, we're, I think we're going to, since we got the YouTube outlet now, we're not, we used to have to, like, well, we got to have six shows to make a CD out of or a tape out of. Well, we don't have that anymore. So now we can just... Write a show, record it, produce it, put it on the YouTube page. And that's what we're going to probably do moving forward. And uh, So, yes, we have definite plans. We have some ideas in the can already. And uh, you're gonna, there's, some of them are horror uh, shows. Some of them are science fiction. Some of them are comedies. I mean, they're, they're not all probably suited to the Monster Kid radio crowd. But there's some definite good scary ones on there besides uh, The Laughing Man. And I urge listeners to check it out. That's Bite Radio Theater on YouTube. Yeah, and like I said, there will be a link in the show notes. Uh, head over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel. You'll be up to date on everything that, that Greg's got going on over there with him and, and his crew putting these out. And it looks like there's a handful of commercials on here, too, where these just things to kind of test. We, we stayed period with it, too, so we're oh, okay. all-time radio. Oh, okay. And it doesn't really limit us because we, we go as far as into the 50s with some of our sci-fi stuff, but... Uh, the commercials are, are very tongue-in-cheek, old, old-time radio commercials. Okay. I'll have to go back and, and go through and listen to, to one or two of those. And, and with your permission, maybe pepper a couple of them throughout the episode. What do you think? Absolutely. You have my permission to do anything like that. <laughs> Fantastic. It's official. All right, there we go. I also want to say something on the show officially. Greg, if you ever need a hand with this stuff, I love this stuff. I love audio editing and post-production. So if you need anything, and I have done a couple of audio drama pieces here and there, so if you need another voice, here I am. We could do that uh, swapping sound files right hey, there so. we go there we go I, I i'm not very good at accents but other than that i'm i'm here all right we'll keep you in mind Derek, for sure listeners you heard that right we got witnesses <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you've got a handful of them coming up and you mentioned to paul we've talked about it a couple of times you and paul uh did fit for a frankenstein and there's a new book maybe coming soon i'm hoping it's coming along um okay you know we've had some setbacks paul had some setbacks he was in an accident and that kind of took I think a little over a year out, out of, yeah. uh, you know, his projects. So he's got backed up on a lot of things. But uh, we, we have, I think, six chapters now written. Okay. And uh, so it's moving forward, and it's starting to move forward a little more quickly. I don't want to say it'll be out this year because I don't know that. Um, but we are working on it, and it's, uh, I mean, we are committed to putting it out there. So uh, it's going to be The Mummy's Cruise. And I think, People that like Fit for Frankenstein will love this book. I just love the approach of kind of filling in some of the gaps in these films that we love so much. Not that the movies were flawed or needed to be fixed in the first place, but to explore these little moments, these little windows that may have been brushed over uh, in the films themselves. And The Mummy's Cruise is going to tell us a little bit about Karis and his adventures, I believe, as he makes his way to America, right? Right. They're, they're going to America. Him and Mehmet Bey are going to America to 
destroy the banning party that defiled Ananka's tomb and took the body of Ananka and bring Ananka back to Egypt. So they set out on an ocean liner, and you see that uh, at the beginning of the film. Uh, he's on the ocean liner. He's talking to uh, one of the ship's crew. And then all of a sudden they're in Mapleton in America. So that, that you can't just do that. We, we have to fill that gap in and talk <laughs> about the boat right over there. So uh, that's what we're planning on doing with this book. Like we filled in the gap in Ghost of Frankenstein uh, and Fit for Frankenstein. We're doing that uh, same thing with the Mummy's Cruise. And if you like those movies or love them like I do, I mean, I live and breathe the universal horror movies. These books are right up your alley. I mean, they're they're really great. And and Paul and I both have the deepest respect for these films. So they're not. Uh, although we do employ humor in them, we're we're in no way disrespecting them. We 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 love those movies, and I think it shows in, in the way we wrote them. I agree. Uh, they definitely come with the Monster Kid Radio seal of approval. At least for Frankenstein, Dad. I mean, it was one of my favorite books. I put it on the holiday gift guide. Uh, it's it's a fantastic read, and you guys have nailed the character voices, the way they speak, the way uh, Igor speaks in Fit for a Frankenstein. I mean, you've got it down. So Thanks. It, it just worked so well. It was a lot of fun to write. I mean, you, you know, you're writing basically, for, I, when I was writing Igor, I'm writing for Bela Lugosi. I mean, that's, although he's dead and he's not going to read the part, but <laughs> aside from that, I was. <laughs> With with fit for a Frankenstein and Vite Radio Theater is writing something you've always wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, I guess I've always been writing because back in, like I said, the, my original Super 8 film, I started in sixth grade with my first film, which Vite uh, Productions was the uh, Invisible Man, uh, a take on that, and um, it just went from there. So I've been writing those scripts. Obviously, the first ones were not very complicated, jotted down on a you know a piece of paper, and then they got bigger and bigger. It's Paul McComas, who I met through an ad in Famous Monsters, he had a little fanzine out called Lonnie Jr., about mm-hmm. Ron Chaney Jr., obviously, and he ended up having a couple of people putting out fanzines under his macabre publications, and mine was called Conrad, about Conrad Veidt. And I did that magazine, that fanzine, with my buddy Scott Merkel, who's part of Veidt Radio Theater. So uh, I've been writing a long time. Uh, my first you know, book being published was the fit for Frankenstein, and I thank Paul for that opportunity because originally we were going to do a short story together on that, and it just grew and grew and grew, and it became a book. Now I know Paul's got copies of Lonnie Jr. He sent me a few copies himself. Do so you still have copies of the Conrad fan scene? I, I have a couple of copies nice. um, of them. Unfortunately, the early copies we did were uh, on a mimeograph machine. Remember those uh, from school? Like it had the purple ink print. <laughs> And those, they fade over time. So I have them, but they're almost unreadable. And then we started doing it with uh, the blue carbon paper. Uh, Paul had taught me how to do it because we, you know, we only had about eight subscribers, so we didn't have to make that many copies of it. And uh, I saw I have a couple of those laying around. You, are you interested in seeing something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering if you had it for yourself, but hey, if you're making that offer, yeah, I'm I'll looking take... at. I'm looking. I just pulled it out right now. I'm looking at one with the man who laughs on the cover. It was issue number ten. So, <laughs> a mag about the one and only Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic, and that's something that I love about being a monster kid and talking to other monster kids, whether they're part of the original Boom or I'm part of Generation X, so I wasn't part of the original, you know, monster kid push. But I mean, just. People who love this stuff have always found a way, I find, to kind of work it into their own creative projects, whether it's writing or filmmaking or, or audio production or audio drama. I just love it. And, and I love talking to fellow creators that were inspired 
by these films. It does seem like a lot of us monster kids took creative routes to, to yeah, make our own, to create. I mean, yeah. we were like Dr. Frankenstein, and we wanted to make something. So <laughs> uh, a lot of us did do that. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about the video era. You made films on Super 8. I made films with my VHS camera and a couple of VCRs and crash editing my things together before I started taking some video production classes. So I mean, I, I'm right there with you, and I totally understand that, you know, it costs money to make a big movie like that. Yeah. But you do it audio-wise, and, you know, the budget's just unlimited. Right, and, and, and same with the storyline, too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, you can go wherever your mind wants to wander. So it's, it's, it's a great outlet for us. Definitely, and it's, it's inspiring because there, there are some potential plans in the works for Monster Kid Radio to do an audio thing down the line, listeners. So stay tuned for that. Maybe this year. We'll see. We'll see. But I would love to, to get more involved with that. And if I do, I may be picking your brain for some tips. <laughs> Happy to be there for you, Derek. <laughs> uh, are there any uh, teasers or spoilers? Can you give us a title of what the next uh, Conrad Vite theater production will be? We've got a couple uh, under the lurking in the shadows genre that we just have sort of a basic outlines for. One's a, a ghost story um, that we, we've done this before with another bright radio production where we took a, a ghost story that we had heard and sort of based a story on it, I mean, loosely. And this is one based on uh, uh, something Jim Lyle brought into the group uh, about a, uh, a, it's not what you're thinking, it's a, it's a monster truck coming to a house and then all these strange <laughs> things happened and uh, we'll see how that pans out. I don't want to give too much no, away. I, I, and we, and we haven't written it yet, so... We, we, who knows where we'll take it, but the basic premise is in this thing, some ghostly truck comes, and there's blood and chains inside of it, and then all this ghostly things happen to the people in this house, and so we're going to take it and run with it ourselves. Well, now I'm excited. Don't tease me too long, okay? Okay. And it's not a monster truck in the, you know, like, of today. It's a truck. I shouldn't have said monster truck. I should have said a ghostly truck. A phantom truck. <laughs> Bigfoot or Gravedigger pulls up to a house, and then... <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, that sounds awesome. I, I love being a good ghost story, so I'll definitely be looking forward to that. And like I said, listeners, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please do. Check it out. Yeah, and listen to all this stuff. I mean, even if it's a non-genre piece, I love me some good audio. I, I listen to a lot of old-time westerns. I mean, I love that stuff. Yeah, there's, so. there's, we have a, the Montana Frontier is our western on there. We have two uh, episodes of that, so... And that there's a, one of the newest one actually the newest episode we did was the Montana Frontier and Paul McComas is in that episode as well. I can't wait to check it out. Well, listeners, I'm I'm gonna let Greg go here because I have some audio drama to listen to, and so do you because I'm gonna play the Laughing Man courtesy of Greg and Vite Radio Theater. I hope you guys dig it. And Greg, I'm gonna have you back on the show, and this time we're not gonna miss each other, and I'm not gonna script the schedule over and over and over. That again. sounds great, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> so hold me to that. Okay, okay I will. We'll have it, we have it live here. There we go. There we go. I won't edit that out. Listeners, hold me to it as well. Okay, <laughs> We'll find some more films to talk about, some more Universal or another silent film or something. I'm sure there's something us Monster Kids can chat about. I think so. <laughs> Greg, thanks so much. Thank you, Derek.
Greg, thanks for being part of the show, and thanks for your patience. Listeners, I kind of commented on this uh, during the intro and during the end of that conversation. Greg and I, he, I've wanted to have him on the show for quite some time, and it just was one of those things where I lost track of things, and then the computer crash happened, so I've been sitting on the recording forever, and Greg, thank you. I really appreciate it. I think it was worth the wait, listeners. I hope you dug it, and I hope you dig the laughing man because like he said we're gonna play that in this episode of monster kid radio why don't we get to that right now fight radio theater presents lurking in the shadows There it sits, waiting, watching, patiently biding its time until, finally, you can never rest, you can never stop, you can never see what's lurking in the shadows. Let's show a little respect, gentlemen. It's November 1st, after all, and we all know what that means, don't uh, we? It's true, I guess. Has our new resident doctor been in the shop yet, Mr. Witt? Has he been in the shop, Witt? Dr. Moore, been gone. May God rest his soul. God rest his soul. I haven't met the good doctor yet. But the family did move into Chatham Cottage about a fortnight ago. His mum, a daughter, and one assistant, I believe. Say, Wit, you didn't say anything stupid to scare him off, did you? Ah, uh, Clayworth, you'd be the one to scare him <laughs> off. You didn't tell him about the laughing man, did you, Wit? There's nothing funny about the specter of the laughing man. When November winds blow cold and strong, and the nights are dark and long, the Laughing Man will come on nigh. Then a trio of our people die. It's been this way for centuries, and it will be this way always for Blackshire. As regular as it's Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, sir. May I have the evening paper, please? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, sir. We don't have an evening paper in these parts. Uh, there's a stack of dailies over there by the door. Uh, will there be anything else for you? Yes, a pack of cigarettes, please. Right. Hey, uh, you wouldn't uh, be the good Dr. Harrison by any chance, would you? Actually, sir, I would. Yeah. May I be the first to welcome you to the village Blackshire? Southway's the name. Uh, welcome, sir. Uh, my name's Wit. I own this shop. Uh, it's Mr. Clayworth, Doctor. Hobbs, yeah. you've met Southway, and uh, the Elder Angus. Hello. 
Uh, have you been tended to properly, sir? All your belongings arrived? Yes, thank heaven. Oh, good. It pained me to be stuck in Norwich, knowing my family was here muddling through without me. Well, it's all over now, and you're here. If there's anything you need to help with, you only need to ask. We're a small village, but we're thick as thieves. Oh, he's right, you know. Doctor, maybe you should take this bundle of meadow sweet. There's good luck behind it. Meadows. No, thank you. Ugh, this smells putrid. What I... One would need more than luck to carry this about. Why on earth would anyone want this? Doctor, there's one thing you should know. It's November, and the Laughing Man is about. The Laughing Man? What's all this, then? He's an evil spirit who comes to this village at the same time each year. And takes three lives. Three lives? Evil spirit? You can't be serious. Deadly serious, Doctor. And I wish that I weren't. I'm afraid I don't see the humor in your little joke. And I am quite a busy man, so I shall bid you a good afternoon. Well, I'm afraid it's true, Doctor. I've heard his laugh myself. And has anyone actually seen the so-called laughing man? Tall and thin and paper white, with eyes that bulge and cause a fright. Below them is a skeletal grin, from ear to ear, down to the chin. No time for this rubbish. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Clive. Hello, Mother. I was wondering when you'd be getting in. There's shepherd's pie for you if you're hungry. Thank you. Perhaps later. Uh, where is Margaret? She's in her room, the little angel. Of course. And Finley. I suppose he's in your office. Father! Father! I've missed you so! Hello, sweetheart. Have you settled in well, then? Oh, good evening, sir. Most of the equipment has arrived. I have a great deal of it set up already. Thank you, Finley. We'll go over it in the morning. Very good, sir. Mother, is this tea still hot? Yes, yes, you've been so busy. What's wrong? You seem so bothered. Sorry, Mother. Just distracted, I suppose. I just stopped into the shop in town to purchase a paper, and I ran into a few of the locals. Ah, they do seem an odd lot. But friendly enough. Oh, Nana, they're just different from the folks you're used to from Norwich. You mustn't judge them so. Oh, they're different, all right. They were telling me some fairy tale about a bogeyman. A bogeyman? A what? What sort of a thing is that? Oh, stuff and nonsense. Shouldn't you be getting off to bed, oh, young father, miss? Oh, father, but I was just going Don't to... Oh, come to think of it, it's been a trying day for all of us. Let's all go to bed, shall we? And have a fresh go at it in the morning. Very good, sir. Finley, are you taken care of? Oh, quite, sir. I've quartered in the butler's study behind the kitchen. I'll lock up for you then. Good night, young miss, ma'am. What? 
What's the matter? Do you hear that laughter? I don't hear anything. You must be dreaming. Anna! Honey, it's after two in the morning. Please go back to bed. Morning, Nana. Good morning, Margaret. Are you rested? Not really. I could not get back to... What on earth possessed you to get up at such an ungodly hour in the morning? If I ever live another lifetime, I... Good morning, Margaret. Mom. Good morning. Just cakes and tea this morning, thank you. I have a great deal to tend to. I take it Findlay has come and gone. Actually, I haven't seen him yet this morning. Findlay! Findlay! You've probably been up all night working. Good God! What is it, Father? What's the matter? I'd best ring the constable. Findlay's dead. If in your house his laugh you hear, the passing of someone who's dear. They finally buried him yesterday. Did you go? I've never met the man, but I talked to Grimley, the undertaker at the church. He said he had the mark of the laughing man. Can we be sure? Did he see it himself? There's no mistake in the mark of the laughing man. The victim always bears the look of the man himself. Oh, the poor blighter. I haven't seen or no hair of the family since. It makes me wonder, though. Who do you think saw him? Well, oh, shh, shh, here he comes. Mr. Witt, would you mind filling this list? Good day, sir, of course. I am in a hurry, if you please. Uh, certainly, Doctor. Thank you. I was sorry to hear about your gentleman, sir. May I offer my condolences? Thank you. Yes, we were all very surprised to hear about it. <clears throat> it came up a bit sudden, didn't it? Heart attacks often do. Tell me, uh, anything unusual about his face? Nothing that can't be attributed to the effects of rigor mortis. What are you driving at? Doctor. Your man's face bore the mark of the laughing man, and that's who took his life. Are you going to start with that nonsense again? Findlay died of a heart attack. Aye, caused by the laughing man, was he? Yes. I will not stand for this rubbish while my family is in mourning. Good day, sirs. Hello, mother. Hello, dear. What are you up to? Oh, you just missed them. Missed who? A few of the neighbor ladies just stopped by and gave me these blossoms to hang about the house. They said it was a local custom this time of year. I think they're just beautiful. Take them down. What? I said take them down now. Why, Clive, what on earth is wrong with you? I'm sorry, Mother, but I will not have these 
so-called meadow sweets in our house. All right, all right, we'll take them down. But what is the matter? I've never seen you so upset. It's the locals. They're convinced that Finley's death has something to do with their laughing man. A laughing man? Yes, the laughing man. It's a bogeyman of sorts that the locals keep blathering on about. Margaret said she heard a laughing man the other night. Margaret? Yes, when she came into my room and woke me up. The night that Findlay yes, died? Yes, I didn't hear anything, and I just Why told her to Why didn't she go... say anything? What was a dream, dear? <sighs> Margaret! Yes, Father? Margaret, come down here, please. Yes, Father. I want to talk to you for a moment, sweetheart. The, the other night when you... when you woke and... The night Findlay died? Yes, that night. Tell me, did you see or hear anything strange? Well, I'm... I'm not sure. I, I thought I heard something downstairs. So I went out into the hallway, and I could hear it better. At first, I th thought it was Finley. It sounded like he was... laughing. Laughing? Uh, are you certain? Uh, well, not really. I, I got so frightened, I, I ran to Nana's room. But you heard it. That's enough, Clive. Margaret, why don't you run back upstairs and finish your book, dear? I'll call you for supper soon. Okay, Father? Yes. Yes, go ahead, dear. Oh, Mother. These locals have me acting as daft as they are. I hope I didn't frighten Margaret. This is all poppycock. That's all right, dear. You know how resilient children are. I'm sure it's all been forgiven and forgotten. Mother! Mother! Bring me a wet towel! Margaret has fainted! Mother! Damn! Mother, didn't you hear me calling to you? Margaret has... Oh my god. No! No! Please, for the love of god! Mother! Oh, 
If in your home is space you see, a death within the family. Good day, Doctor. Good day. We were all very sorry to hear about the news last week. Yes, very sorry about the news. Yes, well, thank you. Mr. Witt. Uh, yes, sir. Would you be so kind as to fill this order for me? Oh, please? straight away, sir. Thank you. Tell me, sir, your little girl. She's all right, then? Margaret? I put her on the train to Sussex. She, she'll be staying with an aunt for the time being. Probably all for the best. So, Doctor, you didn't put up the meadow suite then, did you? What on earth did No. No, I never did. You might want to reconsider, Doctor. The Laughing Man still has one more to collect. Uh, it's true, Doctor. Gentlemen, after all that my family and I have been through for the past month, I'm afraid I haven't the stomach for this conversation, nor for any of you, for that matter. I bid you good day. can't believe all that's happened. Mother and Finley. Oh, how I hated to send Margaret away, but I just... Well, maybe I should move out to Sussex. I haven't had a single patient in the month I've been here. Well, it's getting late. Suppose I'll turn in. I guess I'll sort it all out in the morning. Dr. Harrison. Nice. Nice. Yeah, they say he got off two rounds from his rifle. Really? Like a bullet could stop the laughing man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose we'll have to post another advert for a new physician in the aye, daily. Which been working on one already, ain't you, wit? 
Position available for general physician. Cottage and office provided along with salary. Contact Wits Village Shop. It's, yeah, it's, it's a shame yeah. they don't last longer. Yeah. We do try to warn them, though, don't we, boys? Yeah. I wonder why nobody gets it, eh? It's because they're not locals. Yeah. The laughing man, it comes town. like the seasons. You better prepare for it like a bad winter. Uh, and when the three are cold as ice and Blackshine has paid his price, there will be no need to fear till he returns again next year. We hope you've enjoyed tonight's broadcast. And please join us again. Until next time, try not to stray from the light. <laughs>On the most fantastic and terrifying journey of your life, 4,000 miles into the center of the Earth, to a world within our world, at the Earth's core. Now, American International Pictures curls you at supersonic speeds with Doug McClure and Peter Cushing to a world peopled by creatures beyond your wildest nightmares. The Mosops, whose fiery breath withers trees and plants. The vicious Mayhars, bird women who feed on human flesh. The giant Boz, lizard-like behemoths with poison fangs. The cruel Sagoths, animal-faced soldiers of Pellucidar, ruled by the Princess Dia, whose seductive beauty can drive men mad. Come on the most incredible voyage ever dared by man. Edgar Rice Burroughs at the Earth's core. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. SOS. San Francisco calling. Monster has attacked. It came from beneath the sea. Golden Gate Bridge ripped from towers. Rush new atomic weapons or whole west coast is doomed. See Columbia Pictures' spectacular and terrifying... It came from beneath the sea. Hello, friends. This is Greg Starrett, the voice of Byte Radio. After a hard day around the home or office, nothing is better than a delicious, refreshing Coca-Cola. People around the world all grow thirsty, and they all enjoy the taste and refreshment of Coca-Cola. Order by the case from your grocer or dealer to keep on hand for all occasions, because Coca-Cola fits into every pleasant activity. Coca-Cola, around the corner from everywhere. Wouldn't one taste great right now? So that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for all your contributions and support. 
Big shout out to those of you who have called in and written in and let me know that you've voted for, well, somebody in the Rondo Awards. And thanks for your support in the Rondos. Again, RondoAward.com is where you're going to want to go to learn about the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. Check out the ballot. Vote for your favorites. Check out last week's episode for a breakdown of those previous guests of Monster Kid Radio that are on the ballot this year. And have fun. The ballot's a great checklist of things that you might have missed last year. Different articles, DVDs, commentaries, interviews, that sort of thing. Use it as a checklist to kind of fill in the blanks in your monster kid library or media collection again big thanks to greg starrett for being part of the show and letting us play the laughing man you can check out vite radio theater on youtube there will be a link in the show notes or just look up vite radio theater and you'll find it vite is spelled v-e-i-d-t there are a handful of different audio dramas there for you to check out and enjoy and do hope to have Greg on the show again in the future to talk about more silent films, Conrad Veidt films, or just maybe to talk about that book he's co-writing with Paul McComas. Hey, speaking of Paul, guess who's going to be on the show next week? Paul McComas. We're going to be talking about Kong Skull Island. That's opening up this weekend. It's already getting some reviews out there. Some people seem to like it. Some people seem to not. Let's find out what Monster Kid Radio thinks about it, because I'm going to be going to see it on Saturday afternoon with my friend Tom Doffel. Might even try to shove a recorder in his face to see what he has to say about the movie. And then Paul and I are going to meet online via Skype and phone and smoke signal if we have to. But we're going to talk about it. And that's going to be on next week's episode of MKR. I would love to hear what you guys and gals think about Kong Skull Island after you have a chance to see it. So please call in your thoughts on the movie by using our voicemail line. It's 503-479-5657. It's 503-479-5MKR. Or you can just email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com, and we'll put you on the show next week. Let's make a deadline of Tuesday night, so the 14th. If you can get your thoughts about Kong in by then, you'll be on next week's show. Now, you can find links to everything that we talk about here on the show over at our website at monsterkidradio.com. Net. Our contact information is there. There's links to our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Also on our website, you're going to find some pictures of Greg Starrett as a kid dressing up as the man who laughs. He gave us permission to put them on the website, so you can check that out too. And I want you to stay tuned. They're not there yet, but sometime between this episode and the next episode, I'm going to add a couple of features to the top of the website. Across the top, underneath the amazing artwork by Shelby Denham, You've got links to the Facebook group, the page, different promos, our Patreon campaign. Well, we're going to put a couple of new things in there. I'm not going to tell you what it is. No spoilers. You're just going to have to go back to monsterkidradio.net to find out what they are. Pay attention to the website, and I'll probably announce it on Facebook as well. Future episodes of Monster Kid Radio. I think I can say this without worrying about another hard drive failure. Next week is Paul McComas. The week after that, we're having his filmmaker, Seb Godain, on the show. We're going to talk about the movie The Slime People, as well as his upcoming movie called Lacanimator. So that's going to be happening here in two weeks. After that, we've got Court Psyops. We're going to finally be talking about The Bride of Frankenstein. After that, Scott Morris. We're going to be talking about The Car. I have some scheduled recordings with Michael Ledgy coming up, and I need to sit down with Stephen D. Sullivan and... Nailed down a time for he and I to talk about the Monster Rally Retro Award. So that's coming soon, too. Again, it'll all be on the website and on Facebook. You're also going to find a link to every song that's appeared here on the show, up to and including the song Surf Party from the band Bonsai Hawaii. You can find them at bonsaihawaii.bandcamp.com, or if you happen to be in Latina, Italy... You might run into them there. In fact, they've got a show coming up in April on April 1st. They're going to be playing at... Il Panetta Restaurant Cafe, 
there's a Facebook event set up for that. So look them up on Facebook and you can hop on over to the show that they're going to be doing on April 1st and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you if you happen to go to the show. Between now and then, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. Oh, hey, you know what? I almost forgot something. This episode is going out the evening of March 8th, but most people won't get it until March 9th. And you know what March 9th is? It's Monster Day. That's right. Monster Day is March 9th. And that's because 11 years ago, on March 9th, the world got to see The Monster of Phantom Lake. It's a movie by Christopher R. Mim, and it kicked off the Mimiverse for 11 years. Chris and company have put out a movie a year. It all started with The Monster of Phantom Lake, and then went to it. Cave Women of the World, Cave Women on Mars, Terror from Beneath the Earth, Destination Outer Space, Attack of the Moon Zombies, House of Ghosts, which was a Rondo Award winner, The Giant Spider, The Late Night Double Feature, Danny Johnson Saves the World, and then last year, Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter, and right now he's in production on his newest film, Demon with the Atomic Brain. It'll be coming out later this year. I challenge you to go out and try to find a monster movie that you haven't seen before. There are a number of movies that have not been available on DVD or Blu-ray that have just come out in the past few years. So if there's a monster movie out there that you haven't gotten around to seeing yet, pop it in the DVD, Blu-ray player, stream it, whatever, but watch a monster movie you've never seen before to celebrate Monster Day. And when you're done, maybe let me know what that movie is, let me know what you thought of it, but then head over to Chris's website at sainteuphoria.com. That's saint spelled out and then euphoria, E-U-P-H-O-R-I-A.com. There will be a link in the show notes. You can contribute to the production of Demon with the Atomic Brain. For every $25 you donate, you get a copy of the movie or a ticket to the show. If you're in the area, you can go to the world premiere. However, this isn't the only way you can celebrate the Mimiverse. Why don't we celebrate the Mimiverse kicking off 11 years ago with the musical Monster of Phantom Lake? Yeah, there was a musical. I had a very successful run last year, and there is a DVD of the musical coming. Christopher R. Mim recently talked about this on a recent podcast of his own. He recorded this musical several times, and he's been working on making an incredible edit of all those performances to make a phenomenal home viewing experience of the Monster of Phantom Lake, the musical. You can get it right now for $9.99. Happy Monster Day, everybody. Now, back to what I was saying. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Surf Party. That belongs to the band I was just talking about, Bonsai Hawaii. They graciously gave us permission to play their music on the show this week. Go check them out, either in Italy at that show or on Bandcamp. I'll talk to everybody next week. My name is Derek M. Cook. Ciao. (laughs) 